Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And today it's just us. Yeah. And we're talking about being single and dating. Yeah. We're talking about being single in your 30s because I feel like that's something that comes up a lot in the reviews of us where they people say that they're glad to have found other women who are single in their 30s. And also because it's Valentine's Day. So I feel like all of social media and the world is talking about being part of a couple. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get into it, though, Grace, what what has been your high this week? So the high is definitely I've been in a good work groove. I'm feeling good about everything. I've been setting a lot of boundaries. You have um, been setting a lot of boundaries. I have, and it's been really good for me. Like, give an example. Um, I only spend an hour doing my DMs a day, and I know that sounds like a lot to be on your phone but like before sometimes it's like five hours like sometimes I look at my Instagram screen time and they're like you spent six hours a day in Instagram and I'm like that is not productive because I have eight hours of other work to do so that's been really healthy like I feel like I've actually been on time with all of my deadlines for brand projects I feel like I have a post up every day um I'm spending time working on the podcast stuff I'm not I just feel like less um stretched because good the the DMs just like man, they stretch you. Like, I know it sounds silly if you don't have a blog or like whatever, but it's a lot. So it's been really, it's been really nice doing that. That's one rule. I also like got back into the, the, uh, the mindset of putting my workouts on my calendar, like meetings every Mm -hmm. day. And I've gotten to yoga every day this week, which is great. Um, so I just feel really good. Awesome. Boundaries. Calm, cozy, less absorbed, self-absorbed and boundaries. 2020. 2020. How about you? Um, I just feel like I have really owned my schedule this week, where I feel like in the average week, you know, where it's like, you're doing some things well, and then you're doing other things really poorly. Yeah. This week, I'm like, wow, I am really doing it. Good job. Like, I'm on top of work. I have done all of my workouts. I've had time to cook. Like, I've had time for my side project. Like, I am just like, I've been sleeping a lot. Like, I'm like, yeah, I am doing this. Yeah. So that's a good feeling. Yeah, I hope that saying it and putting it out in the universe doesn't mean that it all comes crashing down. This is actually my last week before I start a new client. So it's been like a calmer week work-wise, which I think has enabled some of this. But yeah, it's Friday afternoon and I am like, whoo, look at me. Yeah, that's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. I still have work when we finish, but I think I'll be done by like six or seven. Okay. I'll be, I'm going to watch a movie tonight. Nice. Yeah. What about on the low front? So I have two. Okay. Um, Wednesday was kind of a crazy day because I went to Charleston, and usually Monday is my shoot day. And then, um, like, I obviously do other work besides my shoot, but my shoot is always on Monday, so I know not to, like, plan too many things that day, and, like, I'm pretty much always home. But because I was in Charleston, I had to move my shoot, so I moved it to Wednesday. But um, I had several different meetings and things, and I just, like, had this whole, like, clusterfuck of a day. And then I lost my phone in my apartment, and I was kind of like – where's my phone? I was running around. My apartment was super clean. So there wasn't like anywhere where it could be like, and I was like looking in the trash can. I was like, did I put it in the, with the recycling? Like, cause you know, when you're scatterbrained and you just like, no, you know who, where it was? Tyrion was laying on top of it. Like I was going to kill him. I was so, want you to leave. I know you wanted me to be stuck. So I almost like missed this thing I had to do with Sephora, um, which would have been hugely embarrassing. It was interviewing Jenny Han. Could you imagine if I was late because I didn't have a phone? I was like, sorry, Jenny Han, you just have to wait for me. <laughs> so that was bad. 
Um, the other thing was I went to Charleston for like the quickest trip ever. It was like 36 hours. Um, it was just like it was a great trip, but it was also comically bad. I um was hanging out with a guy that I'm seeing and he had the flu. So I like mostly just like took care of him. And then I get to my um my nephew to surprise him for his birthday. And <laughs> He had a rash, so he had to be rushed to urgent care. So I show up. First of all, no one was surprised because my mom told everyone. Denise. (laughs) Denise. And so no one was surprised. Jack did go flying into my arms, and he was so excited to see me. So that, like, made the whole everything worth it because he's, like, my four-year-old cute little angel baby. But he then had to be rushed off to urgent care to get – um like to go to the doctor because no one was sure what was wrong with him. He had a rash and then like spread to his chest and everyone was really worried. He's fine. But um, I only had like a couple hours with him before because he, he got home from urgent care at like five and went to bed at seven. And I was like, all Aww. right, good night, Jack. <laughs> but it was still great. But, you know, when you like plan something out, I'm like, it's going to be great. It's going to be so romantic. I'm going to hang out with my person and then I'm going to surprise my whole family and everyone's gonna be so excited and i was like yeah this was kind of a bust but it was still good everything about it was good otherwise yeah it was just such a quick trip that you didn't get to redeem it yeah there wasn't like if i had stayed one more night it would have been great but i couldn't because i had to rush back for work stuff oh man (laughs) so (laughs) yeah how about you um so it was my uncle's birthday this week and he passed away a year and a half ago and the experience of having somebody you love die in the digital age really sucks in a way that I did not realize. Because first of all, Facebook is like, oh. it's Dave's birthday. Remember to wish him a happy birthday. Look back on your memories with him. And oh. I was like, uh. And then my Google calendar was like, yeah. Uncle D's birthday. And then like my phone was like, Uncle D's birthday. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, that's awful. So it was just like kind of a bummer. Yeah, that makes sense. My mom actually had this really nice tip, which I wish I knew this about you because I would have done it. But she said that the best thing you can do for someone who's lost a relative or a good friend is to remember that person's birthday and send a card to that person oh, on nice. their on their the 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 birthday because obviously oh, it's nice. going to be a hard day for them. Yeah, it was just it was something I didn't expect because my not to just like take this down nine notches, but my mom died when I was a teenager, but that was obviously before social media. media. And so while I remember her birthday, it's just much less in your face in terms of getting notifications all over the place. I've had that not, it's not even close to the same, but happened with exes. Like it pops up, your memories pop up, then their birthday pops up. Right. Then you have them again saved in your Google calendar. It's almost like you need a checklist for these kind of things, like how to mitigate it. Well, I mean, the other thing is that I don't want to take it out because it feels not disrespectful, but I don't know what the word I'm thinking of is to like take it out. Like you're dishonoring them. Yeah. Like I don't want to take it out of my calendar, but at the same time, like, oh, like just my whole day. Or my whole morning on his birthday was like notifications, and I was like, "Oh, Ugh. cool." Yeah, that's not a good a good way to feel. Yeah, so that was a bummer. Yeah, so it gave me a lot of perspective. I really empathize with anyone in the same situation. Yeah, my mom every um like the anniversary of like the birthday of my grandmother who passed away, her and my aunt always like have a, a date together. Oh, that's nice. Fit, like a sister date, so they'll like go to coffee or like get something delicious to eat like go out for dessert that's nice um, and think about her oh yeah well 
let's get out of highs and lows. Let's get into our discussion. But before we do, quick desperation minute. Put us on your Instagram story. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. Tell everyone how much you love us. Yeah, do all the things. Help us. Be our Galentine. Oh, cute. Yeah, Yeah, be our Galentine. Yeah, do it. If you love us, put us on your story. It helps people to discover us. And we really, really, really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Let's also take a very quick sponsor break. Today's episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. So since you're listening to this podcast, I'm pretty sure that there's a good chance you like to read. And if that's the case, or if you are trying to read more in 2020, Book of the Month is going to be a total game changer for you. So if you're not familiar, Book of the Month is a monthly reading subscription. Every single month, they curate five of the best new books and you get to pick one. Or if you're like me, sometimes you can't choose and you get two. So I think one of the coolest parts of Book of the Month is that they also get access to books early so you can read them before everyone else. Grace, what did you pick for your February Book of the Month? So I picked You Are Not Alone by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. Um, I'm so excited to read this book because they wrote The Wife Between Us. What was the other one they wrote? An Anonymous Girl. Anonymous Girl. They're, they're, they are fantastic at writing thrillers together. I would love to like have them on the podcast someday to just like ask them about their process because they're so good at it. I picked that one too. And you probably know that I am not usually a thriller gal. I'm usually more of a romance person. But this one really intrigued me. And I know that you've loved both of their other books. Like they're both so great. And honestly, I might not have read this one if not for Book of the Month, but they have such a strong track record that when they pick something, I just feel comfortable going outside of my comfort zone. I've discovered so many new books and authors that were not on my radar through being a member. Literally every single book that they choose is so good. Another cool thing about this one is that it's another one of those early releases that we've been talking about. So this one doesn't come out till March, but Book of the Month subscribers can get it in February. And if you are subscription phobic... Don't worry about it. You can skip a month anytime, as many times as you want. And you can also use your credit on a previous month's pick. And guys, as always, we've got an offer for you. So you can get your first book for just $10 when you go to bookofthemonth.com and enter code BOP10 at checkout. So again, that's your first book for $10 with code BOP10 at bookofthemonth.com. Do it. You're going to love it. All right. So let's get back to the episode. So this part wasn't requested, but I think it's a really important place to start because I think there's definitely this stigma around being single in your 30s. It really, like, isn't that bad. I think it's actually kind of awesome. Not that bad. It's It's great. Yeah. I think it's actually great. And I, I want to, if you guys take one thing away from this, like, please don't feel depressed. I know not everyone lives in New York City. I know that some people want children. So I think that it's definitely a lot different if you're on a timeline or have a clock. But I just think, like, my 30s have been my favorite years, and I've been single for most of my 30s. Okay, tell me in your book, what are the high points of being single in your 30s? Okay. What are your pros? I made a list. Um, I think a big one is having the money and the resources to do what I want, to be able to travel and do things like that. I think um, when I was in my 20s, I always had boyfriends, but I wouldn't have been able to just like take a trip or go somewhere. Like I was living paycheck to paycheck. I didn't have the financial means for that. And when you're in your 30s, you're making more money, you're more established in your career, you probably have more vacation time. So that's definitely a big plus. Um, The next one is I really think um, solo travel is amazing. It's my favorite. Like, I mean, even if I 
were to get married tomorrow, I would make sure that every single year I had a trip just for me. And I wouldn't have had that confidence if I hadn't been single in my 30s and able to do that. So I think that learning that was a one, a really great thing. Um, I think that at this age, I'm much more sure about what I want. Like I'm about 98% sure that I do not want children. Um, I know that I want a par- partner who's very ambitious and driven and focused on their career. Um, things that like I just didn't think about. Like when I was in my 20s, I was like, oh, he's cute. He likes me. He seems smart. He's funny. Um, like just like, of course, those are important things. Or I remember being like, I had this one boyfriend who like could not have been a worse match. This is when I was 22. And I was like just so excited because he liked sushi and he liked running. Oh, wow. I had this fantasy of like having a boyfriend that we'd go running together. Like loving to run does not make for a good relationship. You need to agree on fundamental things and how you want to live your life. And I feel like I have such a strong grasp on that right now that anyone I date, like it's pretty clear whether it's going to work out or not, which is also makes it – that does make it harder because – not only has the pool narrowed, but also um, I'm pickier. But you're not wasting your time yes. on the wrong relationships and the wrong people. Yeah. This one's kind of bad, but if I want to buy something, no one's going to say no to me. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I could imagine like I just bought – it's coming on Monday. What? The most beautiful bed from Design Within Reach. That was my year-end gift to myself. Um, I could imagine someone being like, do you really need that? We don't need a new bed. Like, save your money. And like, yes, it's good to have checks and balances. But this bed I'd been agonizing over forever. And I had a really good year financially. And I felt that I deserve it. So I bought a bed. No one said no. I also feel like your apartment might be, and and my apartment, might be decorated slightly differently. Yes. Well, that was next on the list is it is so fun living in an apartment that's decorated exactly how I want it. I do not think that if I were married, my husband would be like, yeah, Grace, I think it would be a great idea for you to paint your floors a green and white checkerboard and hang banana leaf wallpaper and fence off an area of your apartment to make a giant walk-in closet. Like, no, men would not like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another thing, two quick things are I love a solo weekend. I love not having to watch football all Sunday if I'm dating someone, Um, and I love – being able to focus on my career. I've gotten to do a lot of cool projects and really time-consuming things. And in the past, I it might have been people I've chosen to date, but I've dated people who just needed a lot and took me away from that. Yeah. So those are my things. What yeah. about you? Okay, so th- I totally agree with you on money. So when I moved to New York, I was I just turned 26. I was making $50,000 a year, and my rent was over 50% of my annual salary, not my take home. I don't know how you did that. I she actually like a pretty great one bedroom for a 26 year old. I was like, Becca's apartment is so nice. I did. It was really nice. I lived there for six and a half years. So my income went up steadily as I lived there. So it became less of a yeah burden. Um, but yeah, like I had no money when I moved to the city. Same. I was completely broke. I spent all my money on bus tickets home to go see my long distance boyfriend yeah, I, I just like I didn't have any money to actually do. I, I mean, I mean, I think there's two reasons to live in New York. The first is that you get to meet such interesting people and you have access to all of all of these cultural things. But, you know, the second part is like all of the restaurants and events and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, couldn't afford any of it. Jackie and I went to Dos Caminos every Friday 
of the year that I was 26 because like and we would have tacos for dinner because like that that's what we could afford or we would go to number 28 pizza which I still love but you know like we couldn't go out and like just like go out to the cool new restaurant and be like, we don't care how much it costs. Well, you guys were classier than I was. I was out at Brother Jimmy's with my friends drinking those awful scorpion bowls and then being out of money. So getting dinner at Gray's Papaya. I mean, I think that was my earlier 20s when I didn't live in New York. When I lived in <laughs> Boston, we were going to like Faneuil Hall and, you know, yeah, going to like cheap happier. So it was like, it's nice to be able to live in a city and have money and be able to actually experience that versus feeling really stretched all the time. Not feeling stretched, but just like, I don't know, like I don't want to make anyone who is married irritated, but I feel like my friends who are married, like oftentimes stay in more. Mm -hmm. They, well, I stay in a lot. Right. But so I don't know. I think like being in my thirties, having money, being able to go and do fun things Mm -hmm. is amazing. I also think I've made way more friends in my 30s. And I think a lot of that is the result of being not married. Yes. Um, I feel like in general, like I'm open to new friendships and like especially in the last year. And part of that is because of the podcast. So I don't know if you can start a podcast. I'm like, I don't know if this is applicable advice for everyone. But in my experience, like I've made so many new friends this year. And I don't know that I would probably be in the market to like start all of these new friend relationships if I was also trying to focus on tending to a romantic relationship. Totally. Um, travel, definitely agree with you. Um, like especially last minute travel, just being able to decide I'm going to go do something and mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah, I used to get invited on press trips when I had a boyfriend. It was like the early days. And um, I always had to say no because I always had plans with him and things I had to do. Yeah. Um, I also, at least at this point, I think it's a positive that I've been able to put my career first Mm -hmm. and I haven't had to think about prioritizing a marriage versus my career and make sacrifices. And I think in a lot of cases, like women are put in that position and not that I necessarily want children, but, you know, especially as women who are our age think about whether or not to have children, like there is an impact to your career. Totally. Um, whether that's explicit or just implicit where it's changing your values and making you want to take a step back from your career to focus on family. And that's totally fine if that's what somebody wants. But I think that it's also cool to know yourself and know that you you want to focus on your career and put that first. Yeah. And I also think it's made me a more interesting person. Like I've had time to pursue hobbies. I've had time to create interesting experiences, do weird things that I might not have otherwise done. Totally. Um, And I I don't think any of these things are to say that you couldn't do those if you were in a relationship or married. But I, I think that so many people focus on the negatives. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, I think I can't say this because it's the present. And I think these are the things that only click in hindsight. But like, I don't have any regrets right now. Yeah, same. Somebody sent me this note after I put the thing up and was like, don't you just wish you like started focusing on finding a partner earlier in life? And I'm like, I've always had that as a focus, but I just, and I have no regrets. And I honestly haven't had it as a focus. And I also don't regret that. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously 
I would want to be with the right partner. But in the absence of that, I wouldn't want to just be with any partner for the sake of being with somebody. Agreed. Completely agree. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that if my dream man rolled up and like, it was amazing on every level, like I wouldn't want to be in a relationship, get married, etc. But like, that hasn't happened. So I don't want to settle. Totally. I couldn't agree more. I think this brings us to our next category, which is staying positive. This was a really big question when I put the poll out. Yeah. Like this actually made me feel like really sad because someone there was a lot of things like, do you ever lose hope? How do you not be sad? There's a lot of people in their 30s who are watching all of their friends get married. Um, A lot of people expressed extreme loneliness and just feeling stuck in this comparison trap and feeling really behind in life. I don't know. I mean, I think for me, it's not my biggest focus, and that probably helps. I think also the fact that neither of us necessarily really want children helps to not have a clock on it. But honestly, like, what's your end game? Like, mine is to be happy. And to what I said, like, I would like to be in the right relationship, not any relationship. So, you know, in the absence of having that right relationship, like, I rather be single, focus on my friendships, focus on my career, do all of these other things that are fulfilling and are bringing me happiness. So I don't know. Like, I think it's somewhat about a a perspective shift, which which is easier said than done. And also thinking about what are the positives in your own life? Yes. Like, I think one of the next questions was about how to feel confident about where you are in your life right now when all of your other friends are married and have kids or, or this person said they're single and bitter. And it's like, think about what's interesting in your life that would be less feasible if you were married or had kids. And if you don't have those things, focus on building them. Like, don't just sit at home and be like, my life would be so much better if I had a boyfriend, was married, etc. Like, if you want to travel, go travel. If you want to be a weirdo and stay in your house and like, order takeout and read books and relish that, do that. Like, Mm -hmm. there are aspects of your life and yours may be different than mine. Um, but like focus on building aspects of your life that are fulfilling without a relationship. Yeah. I think I can't stress enough how important it is to focus on the things that fulfill you outside of a relationship. I am somebody who does really want to be in a relationship. I really do much better when I have a crush or somebody I'm talking to. Um, it just makes me happy, but I will say that because my life does make me so happy because I have this life where I can be out and doing really fun things in New York or I can be in with my cat and take out and a pile of books and my gravity blanket and just feeling so satisfied by all of that. Like a partner is the icing on the cake. It's not the thing that's fundamentally making me happier. And again, I love attention. Like you know this. Like I love like feeling like somebody's thinking about me or like having someone to text throughout the day. But that's not the most important thing. I think that building a life for yourself that looks the way that you want it to is the most important thing. The other thing I'll say, and we have a whole section on friendship, um, but if you don't, if you are the only one of your friends who is single, like focus on making other friends who are single. Totally. Because I think also having, like feeling like the only one sucks. Totally. I, um, I have two things to say on that. I felt a lot less alone when I discovered dating podcasts like a year and a half ago. When you I found love your dating podcast, I haven't been listening to them as much though. But like, girls got to eat, which we have a whole episode with Ashley and Raina, as well as you up, and we have a great episode with Jared Freed. 
Like, I just felt like I was like, these are my people. Like, they understand me. And it made me feel like we're all going through the same stuff and we're all, you know, trying to meet someone or not. And again, like, you know, you look at people like Ashley and Raina as well, who are just building this life that makes them so excited and happy. And um, that was something that really resonated with me as well. The other thing is I won't name names, but I had an experience with a friend when I was in my oh, like late 20s, I want to say. And I felt really bad because we were always the two single ones. And then I got into a relationship and she was so mean to me because she was upset with me for suddenly not being around as much. And so I I always now, like whether or not I'm dating someone, try and put myself back in that situation and think about um, making sure that I make time for my single friends, like, but also not to be that person because it was really awful at the time for me. Like I had all of this guilt. I felt terrible. I felt like I was a bad friend just for getting a boyfriend. So I always try to do that. And I think that again, making more single friends or non-single friends, like think about like people we hang out with, like Ashley Spivey is married and totally. we have a ton of fun with her. Um, So I think that making new friends is a really big one. Yeah. A lot of other questions that we got were about how to address pressure, number one, and how to address pity comments specifically from family. Okay, shut that shit down. Okay, first of all, I'm so lucky because my parents don't do this to me at all. They, If I'm dating someone like from like the second that I even mentioned someone's name, they're like, when are we going to meet him? When are we going to meet him? Like they do do that. But um, they are so supportive and like so encouraging. I still remember like one of the times I felt the most seen was when my mother said like we were talking and I was like do you ever like feel disappointed in me that I'm not like I don't have kids and I'm not settled down and she was like she's like you know what like I love you and your I love your sisters and I love um the boys meaning my sister's husbands but like you'd be so bored with either one of those lives like you have your own things that you you're doing and it just and I would be but it was so nice to have a parent recognize that yeah And so I think that it's really important to like try and get your parents or whoever it is on the same page. And if they if they are saying things like that, I always like if for family gatherings or anything, I always try and come with like three things in the back of my pocket that like I'm working on or I'm doing. So I could be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Japan next month for work. Oh, yeah, I um, my girlfriends and I just did this. I just threw a, a huge party for my 10 years of my blog, like always having something like going on that you can talk to about. To like redirect. So it's like, a yeah, exactly, a redirect. And if and I think that your advice, I'm looking at the notes, is the other thing. Well, so, okay, so I have kind of two things. So this was shared in a different context, but in our last episode, we were talking with Claire and Erica from Of A Kind, and we had a really great discussion. It's honestly one of my favorite discussions we've ever had about the decision whether or not to have children. And Erica was expressing that she's married and kind of like everyone in her life has an expectation for her to have children and she doesn't want children. And she was saying that as she's gotten older, she's gotten more secure in not defending that, that just saying, just not engaging like saying, I don't want children. And I think the same thing where it's like not defending why you're not in a relationship, but just, you know, saying that you're not and leaving it there. Yes. Um, And then the other thing is I think a lot of times with family, not necessarily speaking from personal experience, but I think just being direct and telling them that you don't want to talk about this and that it makes you feel bad when they are making pitying comments or yes 
nudging you when are you going to get married when are you going to have kids putting it on you and saying this makes me feel bad yeah and then and then I think also just like tell them that you'll let them know when there is something worth telling like it is not that you have a secret closet boyfriend who is you're you're not telling them about Mm -hmm. but like you'll tell them yeah it's like when I have news I will tell you right there's nothing you need to know exactly yes but I empathize with that that sucks no I think it's really hard I get it from I don't get it a lot anymore because I I do think some people have just given up hope and like just like don't care which is fine um but from a few of my married friends especially the ones who have kids and like wish that I would have you know because I think that if I were to be a mom and I had kids I would want my best friend to have kids when I did so that we could all do things together but we all have different kind of paths and different things that we want and I think just communicating that is really important yeah um I did want to like uh, along the staying positive notes include this comment because somebody wrote into the question box they just wrote why is this such an anomaly single 32 happier than ever and I, I think, love that I love that I was like why is it an, an anomaly or maybe it isn't maybe more I just think more people need to talk about this but how it really like I, I said it wasn't so bad b- before because I just like some of the questions and like I put together this outline and it was like hurting my heart reading some of this stuff like I felt I felt awful because I don't think that being single in your 30s is awful and I think that there's so many great positives and if you're in a place where you're feeling really lonely and you're feeling really sad about it, I do think like I my heart goes out to you and I, I feel awful. But I also think that changing perspectives can really help. Do you feel like an anomaly? I mean, sometimes because um, I can count my single friends like on two hands, whereas most of my friends are married and in relationships. Um, and I'm saying single like meaning unmarried because yeah. – like you can be dating or something sure. like I don't I'm like not da- I'm I'm seeing someone I'm not dating other people. So I feel bad being like I'm single, but like I'm, I'm single like in the scheme of things. So I think that um, I do feel like that sometimes because I feel like I have this life that I'm so proud of um, and I'm so excited about it. But I felt less of it of it because like, you know, I have you and Alex and then we've become really close with Ashley and Raina this year. And they're the same as us. Like, you know, of course they would love to find a partner, but they are building this life that they're so excited about. So I think that I've definitely met more people this year that feel like that. Or like Lydia Hurt, for example. Yeah. We've we've definitely made a lot more single friends. Yeah. I don't feel – maybe this is like a lucky experience, but I don't feel like an anomaly. I have certainly plenty of friends who are married, but I don't feel like the lone duck. I also, and we'll get to this too because we have a whole section on friendship. My friends who are married always include me. Like there, I like I, I. We got to ask a lot about being the third wheel. I'm so fine being the third wheel. Like I will sit with my couple friends and like shoot the shit and gossip and watch like bad TV with them all day long. I think it's great. I think it's. Or I go think to dinner having with, a balance. Though. Yeah, I definitely would feel sad probably if I was always like the fifth wheel, like. Or the seventh wheel or the ninth wheel. Right. Because I think being friends with your friends, partners is great. But also, I want to maintain a one-to-one friendship. Yes, I agree with you there. Okay, so let's take another sponsor break. Today's episode is also brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And they help make cooking at home fun, easy, and affordable. Okay, so I am 
totally obsessed. Some of my favorite recent home-cooked meals have been from HelloFresh. Every week, you get to choose from 22 different recipes, and they have options for low-calorie, family-friendly, and vegetarian. I love it so, so much. So the biggest thing for me is that it saves me time. I really don't like grocery shopping. I mean, you know me. I don't like leaving my house, so I want everything delivered to me. Um, and I don't want I don't want to have to meal plan. So HelloFresh is great because they send me everything all pre-portioned, um, everything I need to make something that's delicious. And most of the time, it's ready within 30 minutes. Yeah. I saw that you got one of my favorite meals in your most recent box. You cooked the pork and gouda burgers, right? Oh, my God. That was delightful. It was one of the best things I ever cooked. It's so good. Honestly, agree. It's one of the best things I've ever cooked. And it's also not something that I would normally cook. Yeah, I never just am like, let me make pork. Or like, I wouldn't know how how to make it. I don't know. I would be, yeah. if I was making a burger, I'd make a beef burger. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, or a turkey burger. Like pork is just not really on my radar. Oh my God, it was so good. So good. I love that HelloFresh takes care of the creative ideas because meal planning is really not how I want to spend my Sunday. I want to spend it reading. Agree. I also love that it's pre-portioned so there's no food waste. Food waste drives me bonkers because I'll like have something I'm making from, like right now I have this amazing, the the new um, Allison Roman cookbook mm-hmm. and I just bought, I had to buy like a bunch of shallots because um, they need one shallot and I'm like, what am I going to do with the rest of these? Like, I don't need them. Yeah. So I like I really hate wasting food. So I love the pre-portioned ingredients. So if you want to try HelloFresh, we have a really excellent offer for you. You can go to HelloFresh.com slash BOP10 and use code BOP10 to get 10 free meals, including free shipping. So again, go to HelloFresh.com slash BOP10 and use code BOP10 to get 10 free meals, including free shipping. Okay, so we're going to talk about friendship now. So I think that the friendship questions really fell into three categories. Um, One of them was, if you are coupled off, how do you be a good friend to your single friends? Um, If you're single, how do you spend time with your coupled off friends? And third, how do you make new single friends? Okay, should we start with just general thoughts on how somebody who is in a relationship can be a good friend to you? Yes. So... (laughs) I, I think that one of them is like, this is my favorite question, and it sums up a lot of it. Someone wrote, if I'm throwing a dinner party, is it better to, A, have a date to set the single friend up with, B, tell them that they can bring a friend, or C, just invite them solo? I mean, <laughs> please do not have a date ready for them. Yeah. Like, you could be like, hey, by the way, there's this person I thought you'd be great with. Like, what if I have a dinner party and invite you both? Great. I wouldn't but want to be surprised with it. I would not want to be surprised like by like everyone being like, and Grace, here's Peter. I don't know anyone named Peter. Peter is your date. You know what I mean? Like I would be horrified if I walked into that. Yeah. I mean, I would say if you're in a group of friends where the person who is single knows everyone, um, I would say like, hey, come to this and like feel free to bring someone. Yeah. Or if it's somebody that maybe only knows you and isn't going to know everyone else, like, like I guess, yeah, that's just the right answer. Like you're invited, feel free to bring someone. Yeah. And leave the option up to them. I guess when I throw dinner parties now, I invite like five girlfriends and I'm like, oh, and bring your person if you want to. Yeah, but you don't usually have seated dinner parties. Like it's not where you're trying to, you need six people because there are six chairs. That's true. Should I start throwing seated dinner parties? I would actually love to have more seated dinner parties. I'm going to have a a date for you at every dinner party. I would actually love that too. Oh, okay. So so Becca wants that. I would not like it if someone had a date for me. Oh, I would want somebody to ask me. Yeah, that's the thing. Ask your friend. Yeah. I do like, 
I really wish more of my friends would set me up. Like I think that everyone significant that I've met in my life, like I've had a few, you know, three and six month relationships from dating apps, but um, everyone significant I've met through friends. So setups are great, but ask first. Yeah. 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 Somebody asked, I thought this was a very self-aware question. How not to be condescending or rude? Do I ask them about dating? Do I set her up? Is that offensive? I think that you should just treat them like a normal person and be like, what's going on? What's new? How are you? And dating will come up if it is a thing. I do like um, when friends ask to set me up, but like be thoughtful about it. I um, God bless Nicolette. Um, <laughs> Nicolette is one of my best, best friends, and she has three kids and lives on the Upper East Side. She's amazing. Um, one day she texted me and was like, I have someone to set you up with. And I was immediately like, oh, great. And then she proceeds to tell me that he lives in Princeton, New Jersey. I was like, it's not that hard to meet a man. Like, that is really far. And I, I was like, I kind of like pushed for more. Like, oh, like, you know, why do you think this would be a good match? Like, maybe he's like my my like twin, like right. also has a fluffy Persian cat, like really cool, like really, really great job. Like, I don't know. Um, and she didn't really know anything about him. And I think it was like her friend and her were like, oh, our friends are both single. So let's try, try this. But he lived – and if he lived in Brooklyn, sure, I'd, I'd meet up with him. But yeah. Princeton, New Jersey? I was like, uh-uh. It's a relationship across state lines. Yeah. It's like three bridges to get there. Yeah. I can only think of two things that people who are couples do that feels – condescending or rude to me okay okay so the first thing that i hate is when somebody who has never um been single in recent times talks about how fun dating apps seem, oh, and they would just be like crushing it out there they would be going on dates every yes. night of the week jared like, freed has a bit about this and it's hilarious oh my god like the person who and like i i like it when my friends and couples think it's fun to go on my dating apps like I don't mind that but it's the people who have an attitude about it where they think that they it's so much easier to meet people now they would be crushing it out there and it's like yeah it's really and I just want to be like no it's actually like really hard and like the better way to meet people is still in real life yeah so I I hate that I feel like that's very condescending and out of touch yes um and then the second thing is that I when I'm out with a friend who's in a relationship like the I want to talk about other things other than our respective relationship statuses yes so I think like making sure to always ask about other things that the person has going on where it's like my life isn't centered around my relationship so if we went to dinner and just talked about the fact that I'm single like that's a pretty depressing dinner like ask me about yes my job ask me what I'm reading ask me about what I did last weekend you know I couldn't agree more with that my last thing that I find really condescending, and this is probably obvious, is when someone's like, oh, don't worry, you'll meet someone. Oh, yeah. that's That makes my blood boil. I'm like, I know I will. But also, even if I don't, like, God forbid, I just, I never meet someone, which I don't think is even the case for either of us. I w- we will be fine. That's not necessary to say to someone. Yeah. To me, those are the, the grave offenses. But outside of that, like, sure, ask Ask if they want to talk about dating. Yeah. Ask if they want to be set up. Yeah. But I mean, don't like spring a setup on them. A question I thought was really funny was, is the married woman that wants to be your wing woman annoying or fun? Okay. I think it's fun to an extent. Yes. Okay. So I think 
the other thing is that what I was alluding to before is if you're married, wanting to still hang out with your friends one-on-one and not just do things with your partner and then the other person is huge. So like, yeah, your married friend wants to like go out on the town with you. Super fun. That sounds great. But the other thing is that sometimes you want to go out and flirt with men. And sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. I want to catch up. So I don't want this person to like force their agenda where they're like, we're going to go flirt with guys. And it's like, well, Mm -hmm. I like kind of would rather just talk to you. Exactly. I think that with married friends, I mean, if you're a married friend that is like seeing your friend, your single friend two or three times a month, sure. But I find that I'm lucky to get a friend date once a month, once every two months with my married friends. So when that happens, I generally want to like go to dinner or sit, or go to a wine bar and like sit and actually like talk about life and what's going on. I I had a friend who's married like get real into like let's talk to men and I think she just wanted to talk to men like for her, not for her she would never cheat on right. her husband but she was just like enjoying the attention of like acting single and I was like but like I literally haven't seen you in three months like can we please just like catch up and talk yeah but I think generally like I love it when my yeah single friends want to like go have a night out yeah absolutely and then whether you're wing womaning or not like. TBD. Yeah, I know. Exactly. TBD. Yeah. Somebody asked, what's the best response when people ask you why you're single? Again, like, don't. Don't ask that. I usually will say something snarky. Well, again, like, I don't think you should have to defend that. Yeah. Because I haven't found the right person. Yeah. It's not an affliction. Yeah. Yeah. Shut that shit down. Yeah, I'm sorry if people are asking you that frequently. A lot of these questions made me so sad because it's like, do you have very disrespectful friends? Yeah, I'm like, you need to get new friends. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So what about somebody said how to balance spending time with friends who are in relationships and finding new single friends? And somebody specifically said how to maintain friendships with mom friends. Okay. It's I think that that's actually like this is such a good question and also really hard. Like I remember when my long-term ex and I broke up, we did so many things in couple as couples and suddenly I was kind of like just floating on my own. And I'm so thankful because I met Alex through work. I was hanging out with you and Jackie a lot. Um, and I think I probably wasn't as good of a friend to my married friends, but it was so hard because like I was also very like raw and tender from – going through a breakup and I wanted to be around single friends more. So I definitely like prioritize spending time with my single friends over those married friends. But I, you know, they all understood. They were like, no, like we're, they were like, we're staying in with our two kids again tonight. Like you should be out like having fun and meeting people and doing weird things because you're single. Um, So they were always really understanding. But I would say for most of my, for two of my, um, my mom friends, I make sure that we always have something on the calendar like every at least every two months to get together. And that's been really good. Like we we plan it like weeks in advance. And that is always like really nice. Um also like I'm a big fan of just integrating all of it. Um Nicolette, to use her as an example again, she just had so she has two boys and then she had kind of like a surprise little girl come around and there was a shower for it. And I was first of all really thrilled to be included because I went and I didn't know anybody there. It was literally just me and all of her mom friends. And her her sister, who I do know, Megan, who you met. I love Megan. Um, Megan. I love Nicola too, but I love I Megan. love them both. They're the, they're like two of my favorite people in the world. Um, and I was so stressed about this shower. I was like, I'm going to the Upper East Side with a bunch of moms. Like, I agonized about my outfit. I was like, Do I look conservative enough? Like, like I put on like my Hermes enamel bangle. I'm like, I, I look kind of Upper East Side now. <laughs> like, 
I don't know if you needed to worry about it, judging by how wasted you were when you came home. I got home and everyone, like you and Alex were both like, whoa, like coming in hot. I had the best day. Like we just drank champagne and ate delicious food. All of her mom friends are amazing. And they're literally just like you or me. They just have kids. So I don't, I think that single people can do it too and be like, oh, I don't want to hang out with all these moms. We're literally all the same. Like I had the best day with them. And now I'm, those are the people I'm running the half marathon with. So we all signed up for this half marathon and I have done no training for it. It's not till May, so I'm a little stressed, but I'm literally like, well, I got to do it because I love the moms. Like I want to hang out with the moms again. Um, So again, this is like probably a tangent and I don't know how helpful it is, but just remember like we're all the same and like try and integrate it. Be like, let's all get together or like I'd love to get to know your mom friends more. Like let's all have brunch. Like I'll come up and like play with the kids. Like because I also like I love kids. I don't want my own, but I will like roll in the grass with everyone else's kids for all the whole the whole day. Maybe I am a kid. I just can't handle <laughs> having my own. <laughs> yeah, I don't know here. So I but planning is a big one. Yeah, I don't know here. So I do not have many close friends who have children yet. Yeah, because so I'm older. You're older. Well, my friend Peter has two kids, but he had his kids so early mm-hmm. that they're now eight and ten. And oh, that is early. Yeah. And yeah. his husband is is much older than him. And he lives in Chicago, but his husband is like, go hang out, go out for a long weekend, hang out with your friends. So I feel like I see him all the time without his kids. And he's like, I feel like once you get over a certain stage of parenting, you're like, not like I can't wait to leave my kids, but you're like, yeah, peace, like mm-hmm. going to go hang out with adults. So he's like always really excited and like game to go on a weekend trip or go do something without his kids. Yeah. Not that he, I feel like I'm presenting him as a bad father. He's like awesome father. Um, And then outside of that, of my like closest friends, one is pregnant right now, but other than that, nobody has kids yet. And nobody of my friends in New York has kids. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to figure this one out. Yeah. You you figure it out. I just think Planning is key, like putting things on the calendar weeks in advance and making sure that you both prioritize those friendships. This is somebody else asked how to deal when every conversation with friends revolves around their kids. Have you experienced that? Yes, but not really. I think that most of my mom friends, I love the word mom friends, um, by the time we're like hanging out, they're so excited to be away from their kids. Like they love their kids. They're not bad parents. Right. But like we don't talk about the kids that much. I would say it's similar to talking about being single. Just steer the conversation towards something else. Right. Yeah. What about somebody asked about being the single one in a friend group of married couples, specifically being the fifth, seventh or ninth wheel or feeling jealous when they're hanging out together? So I said this already, but I love being the extra wheel. I feel like I always have the interesting, weird stories, which can get old because, like, everyone's like, so entertain us. I'm like, I'm not the court jester. But um, people – like, I love love it. So I don't have any problem with that. The time I get upset is when I go on Instagram and I see, like, three girlfriends of mine out with the three husbands and I'm like, why wasn't I included? You know? Because they don't want to have a seventh person. Oh. That hurts. I'd I'd rather be included. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would suck. I mean, I I also like being the extra wheel. Like I will go up to Boston and two of my two more than two? I can't remember. Two of my really good friends who live in Boston are both married. And I will like go stay at one of their houses and like hang out with their husbands and like I'm like I'm here. I live here too now. Like let's watch oh, yeah. TV. Like let's hang out. Like, I yeah. think it's it's 
fun to get to know your pers- your people's people. I do think that kind of thing gets less fun once they have kids because then you're like sure. you're like the nanny like playing sure. with the kids well, while the this specific couple that I'm talking about doesn't want to have kids, but oh, um, perfect. You know, like I'm like, yeah, I don't need to go get a hotel. I'm going to going to stay with you and like hang out with you. Yeah. So I think to some extent in some couples because I I think that this also depends on who their partner is, like it's only weird if you make it weird. So I think it's about like taking the step to be like, yeah, I'm going to hang out with both of you. Yeah, I've always just loved hanging out with my friends and their partner. Like, I like getting to know the partner better and like having our own little inside jokes and things. Yeah, but that sucks to not be invited. No, yeah, it's when you're not invited that I would get sad. That hasn't happened in a long time, but I, I've seen it on it and been like, uh, I want to yeah. come. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess if that's happening, I would just say, you know, maybe try to plan something that you're spearheading with your – yeah just the girls or like just the friends not the significant others i've also just like said it to them like and been like i love being the fifth wheel like and they're like okay cool so it's fine like i don't think it's i don't know not a big deal wait the most popular question most popular question drum roll how do you make more single friends this was the most popular question it's it can be really hard i think um I mean, the first – the thing I tell everyone is join the Stripe Facebook group. Join the Bad on Paper Facebook group. People in all of them are always organizing meetups. Join any Facebook group for anything you are interested in. If you are – if you like a podcast, there's probably a Facebook group for it. Mm -hmm. If you – like a, a blog, a, a a blog, a sport, a mm-hmm. TV show. Like there are Facebook groups for pretty much anything. So you already know that you have something in common with this person. And then post like, hey, anyone here in Williamsburg, Brooklyn? I'm I just moved here, or even if you didn't, like I'm just looking to make some new friends. And like thought that because you guys like this podcast, like we'd have things in common. Honestly, anyone want to start a book club? There are posts once a week from people who maybe move to a city or, you know, have lived in a city a while and want to make new friends, want to start a book club Mm -hmm. in our Facebook group. Like, it's not weird to just put it out there. Maybe, you know, there's like 4,000 some odd people in our Facebook group. All 4,000 people aren't going to want to hang out with you. But But there's going to be five or six people who live in your city. I mean, well, if you live in Juneau, Alaska, no idea what your odds are. But, you know, if you live... I've seen some pretty, like out there cities like in the stripe because the whole reason i started my blog facebook group was to help people make friends yeah i've seen some like out there ones and people are someone is always like i do too yeah so i don't want that to be our only advice but i think it's a really good starting off point i totally agree i think that making friends on the internet i've i've some of my the best people i know are from the internet i would also say asking your friends to set you up on friend dates rather than setups like telling your married friend saying I want to make more single friends you know like there's probably somebody that they're friends with from work Mm -hmm. or their husband's sister or somebody like you know even your friends who are not single probably know other single people yes Nicolette also did a friend date with me and her boss and we all hit it off great yeah um I think that's a really good one. Also, it's like the same thing when you're moving to a new city where it's like who are the people that are 1 degree away from you who mm-hmm. you can get set up with. I think there's a stigma where people think it's weird to want to make friends. I think it's awesome to want to make friends. Totally. You know, like what I'll say is that you have to be open. You can't be like I only want to be friends with this person and if it isn't reciprocated like mm, move on. Right. Just but like it's a, like a boyfriend. There are so many people in any city that want to make friends like 
I think you just have to own it and be like, hey, I want to make some new friends. Totally. I um also think just like asking somebody out on a friend date. Totally. Like, if you're at work or something. like, I feel like you just asked someone at one of your consulting clients out. No, she asked me out. And I, it, it, I felt like such an idiot because, okay, so I did this project with Daily Harvest in the spring. And when I was, I spent a ton of time with our creative director and we were like, we made a couple TV commercials. We were like, buds through this whole thing. When I was leaving, she was like, oh, I'd love to get drinks. Um, and I was like, yeah, totally me too. And I think that I couldn't tell because I think, not that I'm a pessimist per se, but I think that sometimes I assume that people are just saying things and don't necessarily mean it. And then she um, followed up like a couple months later and she's like, it's been on my list for a month to like send you a note to see if you want to get drinks. We went out to drinks. We had such a good time. And I was like, I'm so glad you did this because like I wanted to be your friend too. Oh, I love that. That's so cute. Or um, also my friend, uh, do you know Elizabeth? Mon- you know Elizabeth Monson. She came to my housewarming party. So on Facebook or on Instagram, she put up this thing where she was like, would anybody be interested in starting a cookbook club? And oh. it's my dream to be in a cookbook club. Okay. It's like, you know, where you have a dinner party and everyone makes something from the same cookbook. Yeah. It's been my dream to be a part of one of these for forever. Okay. I don't want to I don't want to wrangle it. I don't want to be in charge of it, but I want to be part of it. Yeah, I would maybe do that with the right group of people. And um she put on her Instagram story, "Hey, is, is anyone interested?" and I was like, "Yes, hard yes." And now it's happening and I'm like, "I'm so excited." Oh, that's so good. So great. I think it's like kind of putting yourself out there where it's mm-hmm. not uncomfortable, but Making friends is is just like it's a lot like dating. I think like you just have to like ask people out. Not everyone is going to become your new best friend, and that's okay. Um, But you have to take chances. Yeah, I think it's hard as an adult because I think. Do you remember with Ashley and Raina? I sent again. Like I love their podcast. It was helping me feel a lot less alone. I sent them. I looked at it. It was the most embarrassing fangirl email. But I put myself out there. Ashley became a good friend. Raina then joined to go on the podcast, and now, like, the two of them I count as good friends. Yeah. And I look at at that, and I remember being mortified to write such a fangirl of an email and be like, can we please get drinks? And look what happened. But also on the flip side of that, like, let's go down this road. If they had never answered you. I would be fine. You, We would not be sitting here having this conversation being like, one time I tried to make a new friend, and they didn't <laughs> answer my email, and I'm not making any more new friends. Yeah. You know? Like, it, just shoot your shot. Like... For all the ones that have worked out, I've definitely emailed other people, and I can't even remember who they are now because they didn't write back and didn't want to be my friend. Right. It's fine. Right. And that's I think that goes back to, like, you have to be open and not just be like, I only want to be friends with Ashley and Raina, and if yeah. they don't want to be my friend, <laughs> then, then I'm, like, I'm not making any, any other, other friends. friends. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I feel like that sometimes happens where it's like, you move to a new city and somebody's like oh I have this friend and then you can like never make the timing work or Mm -hmm. whatever and you like you're you're kind of like only open to being their friend and it's like no like there's there's a million people out there that want to be your friend right yeah so yeah I'm trying to think of what are the ways that I've made friends this year definitely through the podcast start a podcast start a hobby Mm -hmm. through it through the internet through hobbies um I made a lot of friends when I first moved to the city through a book club. Um, a, oh, I still want to be in a book club. Ashley Spivey and I are going to start one. A coworker invited me to be in a book club, and everyone in that book club became like a really good friend. Yeah, because then we started a happy hour club where, like, because I mean, we oh, were twenty, fun. we were like twenty four, and we'd go to like a different like happy hour in Midtown yeah. after work. Yeah, like Butterfield Eight and like those kind of places. Oh, I'm trying to think of how else I've 
made friends recently. You set me up with Kate and Lydia. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really just be my friend because I will give you my friends. Yeah, because Grace doesn't want to go anywhere. So she's like, you be friends with them. No, I do love. I, I know you love yeah, them. I love both of them so much. But I did think that when I met Kate, our friend Kate Childs and I was like, I feel like I'm sitting across from Becca. She's telling me about Pilates. They're like both built very similarly. She's so, she's both, so into New York Pilates now. And she was telling me about this. And I was like, same. I, like they look alike. They act alike. They're both really into reading and like having a cozy home. I was like, I feel like this is Becca. Um, and sure enough, it worked out great. But I'm still friends with them, too. I, think I didn't that, lose you guys to each other. I think you're also really good at turning business friends into real friends. Yeah. Well, I really like to blur the lines a little bit because I think that when you're friends with the people you work with, you're a lot more um, – you just work together better. Like I've become really good friends with everyone at Four Card mm-hmm. because um, they're my agency for the Sephora partnership and stuff. And even if we weren't, I'm, I'm glad that we're friends. But um, we work together so much better because we know things about each other and yeah. stuff. And I think that – when you take those work relationships like to another level, like it's just so much, it's so much better and it makes work even more fun. Yeah, totally. So let's take one last sponsor break to talk about a sponsor that is very near and dear to my heart and my vagina. (laughs) It's Lola. So if you don't know, I wrote this ad, not me. (laughs) Totally did. I thought I was so funny. So if you don't know, I used to work at Lola and I am a huge believer in this company and their products. And if you don't know them, Lola makes tampons, pads, and liners made with 100% organic cotton. Before Becca started at Lola, I'd never thought even a little bit about the ingredients in tampons. I was shook when I found out the FDA does not require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients. So most brands um, for tampons are made from a mix of rayon and polyester and can be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents, fragrances, and dyes. Yuck. I do not want any of that inside my body. Also, FYI, your vagina is one of the most absorptive parts of your body. So I think it matters, the ingredients in these products. So what's great about Lola is that their products are 100% organic cotton, and they have none of that other BS, and they tell you the ingredients right on the box in big letters in plain old English. Yes. And it's also very nice that it is a subscription. I can't say subscription. Subscription. The way that the product comes right to my door, and I don't have to worry about running out or forgetting to buy tampons right before my period. Totally. I have not had to make one of those frantic midnight drugstore runs with toilet paper in my underwear in years. Lola is so easy. And you can change, skip, or cancel your subscription at any time. Um, Right online, it's super, super easy. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is that I am super proud that Lola has donated over 2 million feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. I love knowing that I'm supporting a female-run company that is also doing something good for me and also doing something good for others. So if you are ready to try Lola, you can take 30% off your first month subscription with code BOP30 at mylola.com. Again, that's 30% off your first month subscription with code BOP30 at mylola.com. All right. Should we talk about dating? Yes. So I thought this was a good question. Someone asked, what about keeping finding a partner on your radar when you've gotten comfortable being alone? I think this is me. Like, I'm super comfortable being alone, but like also like want to date and have crushes and things. I don't know how to answer this because, I mean, 
do what you want to do. If you don't feel like dating, don't date. Yeah. If it's important to you, make time for it. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just making the time. What I would do when I was on the apps and things was I would try and go on one to two dates a week. You you dated like it was a sport at times. Like you would go through spurts where you would yeah. be like, I'm going to go on two dates this week. And I, that would make me. It was a lot. Um, but I felt like it made me really comfortable meeting new people and talking to strangers. Mm-hmm. And I would always, I had little rules for things, which we can we can get to, like things like meeting in my neighborhood and stuff yeah. like that. So it was less of a strain. Yeah. But, but I don't think that's like one size fits all. No, I think it's it's definitely like finding something like a, 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 something that works for you. Yeah. I also think it's like checking in with yourself in a way to say, what are my priorities right now? Yeah. Because I think that exercise that I did at the beginning of the year, I talked about it in our New Year's resolutions episode, where I kind of like went through and rated every aspect of my life that was important to me. Yeah. And it's I don't think it's realistic for every single area of your life to, for you to be performing perfectly at any given time. So maybe you're in a period where your career is more important to you or friendships are more important to you or I don't know. So I think it's like if dating is your priority, make it a priority, but it doesn't always have to be your priority. Totally. Um, The next question we got was a really big one. This one was like the most, this was up there with finding more single friends and it was meeting men in the wild. How to put yourself out there if you're not into the apps. Favorite way to meet men that isn't in an app um, those were like, this was a big one. I have no advice. I would like all of your advice, any listeners' advice. I have literally no idea. So my advice is the biggest one is what our friend Kate has been doing and um, I've done in the past is to tell your friends to set you up and just be like, hey, like I've actually decided I'm going to go off of the apps. I would love it if you meet somebody that you think I might get along with. Like even if it just turns into a friendship, I'd love to meet them. So I think that's really good. The other thing I always say is like put yourself in the shoes of where men like to go. So as background, I love a wine bar. Like I love a nice girly restaurant. I am at fashion parties like two to three nights a week for my job. There are no men there. You know where there are men is a bar called Lucky Dog down the street from us where they have dogs and guys are just there hanging out drinking beer. So maybe – Give going to um, dive bars a chance. I remember like when I was really young, some of my girlfriends would go down to like this, like the seaport bars after work um, where like all the finance guys were having happy hour and they're like, we're going to go meet rich men. Spoiler alert. It never worked. But I mean, think about where men are going and try and go there. Like we've joked about like joining a sports league or something like that. Unfortunately, we don't like sports. I will just say again, everyone I've met, the person that I'm talking to right now, all through friends like it's the apps are serve a purpose and they're great and I think that they've definitely made me again more comfortable talking to strangers and like being interesting and charming but I'm so charming um no but I think everyone significant that I've met is through friends so I think the best thing you can do is tell your friends that you'd like to be set up what about dating apps somebody wanted to know what's your favorite dating app um, I always say Hinge. I think that the prompts that they have there just lend themselves be- to better conversations. And you can – like if somebody just like refuses to answer any questions, like that weeds them out immediately. Um, I feel the same about Hinge and Bumble. Yeah. Bumble has the questions now too. Oh, they do? Yeah. I never joined Bumble. I feel like there's more people I could only on handle Bumble. one app at a time. Yeah. I-, I feel pretty fine on both of them. Yeah. What about managing dating app burnout? 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I think burnout is really real. And I think that like acknowledging that is important that mm-hmm. like it takes so much time. You have to have so many conversations. It can feel like another job. It, yeah. Like the burnout is real. I don't know. I'm personally, I feel like in 2019, I, whenever I was on the apps, it was beca- out of a sense of guilt or obligation rather than that I really wanted to. Yeah. And so then I feel like I would get frustrated and burnt out and then I wouldn't actually follow through or, you know, it was like I was part of the problem. So yeah. I don't know. I'm, I haven't been on the apps this year and I'm kind of just waiting until I feel I'm kind of just waiting for it to feel like something that I'm excited about. Yeah. I mean, I have gone through stages where I'm really excited about online dating and want to like get out there and meet as many people as possible. And that's when I go on the apps. And if I feel burnt out or tired, I take a break and delete it. There have been so many times where I've just taken like a three-month hiatus from online dating. And I think that's really important. I actually deleted all of the apps right before Christmas, before I went home for the holidays. Like I was like on the flight to Charleston and deleted it. And then I met someone on New Year's Eve. I don't delete them, but I just don't use them. Oh, I disable my bio because I have this paranoia that um, they stop showing you good people if you log out for a while because then you get like the dregs. I was just talking to um, Kate about this where I was like, I think that I need to, when I do go back to online dating, I think I need to delete my Hinge profile and start a new one with a different email address because I think that I've like really screwed mine up somehow. If you don't log in consistently and swipe every day, they will I think that that's a theory because Kate was saying that she's not doing that and she's getting good people. Oh, okay. Well, I could be wrong. This is what I think. Um, it's my dating app conspiracy theory. So <laughs> but take yeah, it or leave it. I, I think I've screwed up my Hinge algorithm somehow. So if, I, okay. if I'm if i going back to Hinge, I think I need to start a new profile. Yeah. Not in a creepy way, just in a like clean slate way. Yeah. We also got asked how long they get let a conversation in the apps go. Like, do you, and also the big one was, do you ask them out or do you wait? I will ask somebody out. Yeah. I always just make a hint. I'm like, oh, we should, like, we should get drinks soon or something and see what they say. That's asking them out. Well, no, they, then they, they make the plan and say, how about next Tuesday? Okay. But you still initiate the fact that you want to meet them offline. Yes. Yes. I just, I don't make the plan. I'm not like, how about we go to Lucky Dog at 4 p.m. on Wednesday? Yeah, but okay. I yeah. would still consider that asking them out. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I will ask somebody out in that I will suggest that we get drinks. Yeah. And then how long do I let a conversation go? I would say not longer than a week if you have unless like there's an extenuating circumstance where you're like out of town or traveling or something like Yeah. I've talked to guys where they just like seem to want to just like have like a like I think it's like girlfriend guys that like probably are just out of a relationship and feel really lonely. They want to like talk to you all night without making a plan. And you're like, I don't want to be on the phone. I like if you guys haven't realized this about me, I hate being on my phone. So I'm like, I don't like I want to like get out and meet you. I don't want to like sit here and like text back and forth with a stranger. I also strongly feel and maybe this is a personal issue that I do not have a good um, barometer when it comes to online chemistry versus offline chemistry. So I often find that like Talking to somebody longer doesn't mean I'm, like, more sure that I will like them. Like, there have been plenty of times where I'm talking to somebody for, like, a while, and then they – I meet them in person, and in the first 10 minutes, I'm like, "Mm mm-mm. Yes. So, in that way, I'm like, I I would rather get to know this person in person than spend so much time talking to them because I don't think – 
at least in my experience, it necessarily that always translates. I don't think that's a you thing at all. I think that's a factor of online dating. It's you just can't sense chemistry unless you meet them. Yeah. Someone asked, what's your go-to first date? And do you have any rules? Where is it? How far away is it? What do you do? Um, my go-to first date is a drink. And ideally, it is somewhere that is convenient to me, like not traveling. Well, when I lived in Manhattan, I would be open to like anywhere between my house and my office. Yeah. Or like, you know, like I lived in the East Village, but I would happily go to the West Village. Um, in terms of rules though i just i don't want to be locked in i I don't like a dinner date no dinner dates um i don't like an activity date like i think a drink is really easy to leave versus if you have an activity even though that's like kind of a cute thing you're like a little stuck yeah but you're exactly like you're totally stuck um mine i am gonna sound like so lame like like no one will want to date me but my ideal is a coffee date and a walk in williamsburg do you go in for an evening coffee like ideally like afternoon coffee during the weekend. Oh, on the weekend. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was like gonna... 3 p.m. coffee. I went on a great – I have done this a, a whole bunch of times with people that I ended up working out with. It's a screener. Oh, interesting. I always see the first online date as a screener. I don't want to waste alcohol calories. Like I – we – for work and stuff, I go to like parties and events like three times a week. I don't want to drink if I don't have to drink. So I prefer to go on dates on weeknights. Okay. So that I don't feel like I'm giving away my Friday or Saturday to go on a date that like a first date where I'm not sure that I like this person where it might be a, a huge bust. So I prefer to go on like a Tuesday to Thursday date. Okay. And in that case, I mean, if somebody was self-employed and they wanted to go for a coffee during the day, that's great. But then my coffee cutoff is like 3 p.m. Yeah. I like a really like a Saturday or Sunday 3 p.m. coffee. So I can still mm. do things that night and have fun. I really do not want to give up. Like weeknights are hard for me. You know this, yeah. like trying to make plans. Like I have a lot of work events during the week and just like general like things I have to do and people I need to meet up with or girlfriends that I want to see. Yeah. So I w- do not want to give up a week for a first date, which I consider the first date, again, a screener with someone from an app. If I met them at a party or something, I'd totally give them a weeknight. Oh, totally. But it's different. Yeah. Interesting. That's funny that we're opposite. Yeah. Someone asked, what's the weirdest date you've ever been on? I can think of two off the top of my head. So first one was I went on a date with a guy who was getting his MFA in creative writing. And we went for a drink. And we were talking I was asking him about what he was writing and he wrote fiction and he like went into like very like very deep into how he was writing this. I can't remember if it was a novel or a short story, but he was writing something about a guy who kills his girlfriend. Yeah. And I was like, um, I gotta go. Yeah. You definitely have to go. Which is, I mean, it's kind of authors who write thrillers. You're like, Wow, that's kind of a career hazard because like you can't talk about it without sounding like a huge weirdo. Yeah. But so that one I was like, whoo. Yeah. I am scared for my safety at this point. Yeah. So that was one that sticks out that was not good. Another date that I went on, this was when I lived in San Francisco. So I was probably like 25. I went on a great date with a guy. We went to drinks. It was so good. We went and got dinner. We we're just like having a great date. At the end of the date, he we were in a different neighborhood and he had driven and he was like, oh, do you want me to drive you home? And I was like, oh, that'd be great because San Francisco is terrible public transit. Yeah. And we get in his car and there's a car seat in the back. Oh. And I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, like there must be an explanation for this because I feel like if you had a child and then invited me to 
drive me home, you would have like already mentioned it if you had a child. And I was like, oh, whose car seat is that? Like expecting him to be like, I have a niece or nephew or I don't know. And he was like, oh, yeah, like my he, he wasn't even divorced. He was like separated. And he was like, oh, like my wife and I are separated and we have like a, a I think it was like a two year old or something. And I was oh like, my God. I wow. just spent four hours with you. Like, how did this not come up? Yeah. Wow. Not, and it was more about the surprise factor where I was like, this is sketchy. Yeah, that's weird. I also, I mean. It's, it's weird when they, it doesn't come up. Right. I also at the time was like 26. I didn't want to date anyone who has a child. Like, I yeah. still probably wouldn't necessarily want to. But at that point, I was like, oh, I would be, hard yeah. no. I'd be open to it. I would just need to know about it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What are your weirdest dates? I have a lot. I could like be here. Like this is running long, so I'm not going to like keep going. But the weirdest one I ever went on was a first date in Boston. I had met this guy. He was the guy that I met on the bus. Remember in the one day in December? Yes. Yeah. Episode, our first date, he was like, um, like, would you want to come to this christening with me? Why did I you went, say yes? I don't know. I was young and I went and it was so weird. Who's I met his Christmas? whole family. His like, I think it was like his niece. Oh my God, Grace. So I went and I met his whole family and no, like, no, no. we had like a whole day. It was, what happened was we kept seeing each other on the bus and then I saw him out at a bar and then we were like drunk and I was talking to him and I was like, blah, 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 you're on my bus. And that was like how we like started talking. And then he, he was like, yeah, we should go out. And then he's like, do you want to come to this thing with me tomorrow? And I was like, yeah. And then I get in the car and he was like, yeah, it's a christening. Oh, my God, Grace. That's so bad. That was so bad. Did you go on a second date with him? Yeah, we continued to hang out for a couple months. Oh, wow. So that yeah. wasn't even a deal breaker. Oddly, the reason we broke up was he broke up with me because I made more money with him than him. Mind you, I was making $40,000 a year. Oh, God. Yeah. So that didn't work out. Wow, Grace. That is a that is a bad one. Yeah. Somebody wanted to know, and I kn- I'm asking you this because I know you have. Have you ever tried a matchmaking service? I have, and it was awful. I will never do it again. It was all fixer-uppers. Like they needed to be like dressed and like told like how to act and things, or they were like serial daters or like people who wanted to date multiple women at once. Oh, it was bad. Never again. Okay. Yeah. What about somebody wanted to know about dating as an introvert and if you have tips? Honestly, I don't mind it. So for me, my big thing is big groups and crowds. Like that stresses me out. Hanging out with one friend or going on a date isn't a big deal. But again, I think having those little rules like the afternoon coffee date is fine because I have the coffee and I know that there's an out. Or if it's going really well, we can keep hanging out. Yeah. I love this question. Somebody asked, how did your perspective on dating change between your 20s and your 30s? Um, So I had like serious boyfriends all through my 20s until I was 32. It was like I would have one and then we'd break up and then I'd meet someone else within like a month or two. And that was because I was like out all the time. Everyone was single. Everyone was bringing their single friends to things. And I just hit it off with someone and then they would like become my boyfriend. It's weird how in our 20s, like I feel like Dating is so different now. Like, there was no, like, oh, are we exclusive? Like, oh, are we this? Oh, what is the label? It was like, we went out on like a handful of dates and then they were my boyfriend. So I think that um, it's just really different. So, like, again, online dating wasn't a thing then. So I really wasn't opened up to people outside of my pool of friends. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone, like, we had things in common immediately. Like, it wasn't like I was meeting, like, I don't know, an artist or like a random like filmmaker or like something. It was people like – You were like one degree away from them. Yes. So or I, you met out and you knew you had chemistry. Yes. So I think it's been really interesting to see like just how many people the apps open you up to, for better or for worse. Like I've met so many 
interesting, awesome, awful, like all of the things, people, just a lot of people. I think that I actually wish I did more casual dating in my 20s because I think because I just like got into all these relationships, I wasn't thinking about like what I wanted and like more long-term things. I was just like, oh, this is my boyfriend. Like, oh, we do these things. Like, and I like, they were all people I really admired and liked and had good chemistry with, but I just, I didn't do any casual dating. I never like slept around. I never did anything like wild or like, and I'm not saying I want to do those things now, but I kind of wish I did when I was younger. Um, perspective wise, what else? Um, I think I just know what I want more. Like, yeah. And again, that's hard because the pool of eligible people has narrowed, but I'm also way pickier. Yeah. So it's definitely hard, but I think I wouldn't change it because I, I really like the way that my life is. And I really, I think that like any person that I'm dating is a, like an, like an added bonus to a life that I really like Yeah. versus like the be all end all most important thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? Um, I do think that there's more pressure now. I think that when I was dating in my earlier mid 20s, it was never like, could I marry this person? Do I want to be with this person forever? Like it just wasn't yeah. as tangible because I was so much younger and yeah. none of my peers were married. So in that way, like I feel like dating was less pressure because you weren't starting to ask yourself those questions so early. So in some ways, you know, I feel like not that you're thinking about it from the first date, although like sometimes, but there's definitely just more pressure where it's like, no, I'm not going to just date this person for fun yeah. if their life doesn't fit with mine or, yeah. you know, if we want different things or... Because if you spend that time with that person, you're closing yourself off to meeting the person who could be perfect. Right. Or not, no one's perfect, but right. the, the perfect person for you. Yeah. So I do feel like there's more pressure. Um, I agree. I feel like I have a clearer filter on what I want. Mm-hmm. I also think one of the biggest things is that I have learned the difference between liking someone and the fact that someone paid attention to me. So therefore, I feel like I reciprocate. Interesting. Okay. Do you know that feeling where you're just like you date somebody for a little bit and then you're like, you're boring, like or whatever their flaw is. You're like, I don't know that I actually liked you. I just liked that you like me. Interesting. Somebody I know is like that. Who is like that? I have a friend who's like, oh, it's it's one of Alex's friends who just like her – the thing that makes a man most attractive to her is that he's interested in her. I don't think in a long-term sense that is, but I think like I've definitely gone on a few dates with somebody and then been, been like, oh, I don't yeah. actually like you. No, I don't do that. I don't think. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. maybe you're wiser than I am, but I think that that's something that I've learned yeah. in my 30s, the difference between those two things. Yeah. Along those lines, someone asked about must-haves and how they've changed as you've gotten older. I thought that this was funny, and I want to, like, shake the person who wrote this, like, in a a nice way, like, give her a hug. Why? But she wrote, how do you actually meet like-minded, level-headed, hot, over six feet tall men? (laughs) I was like, I think that, like, focus on like-minded and level-headed and chemistry, because I find that, like, and I think a factor of the apps is, like, I won't, like, I wouldn't give someone a a second chance if they were like not over like 510 or 511 because I'm like no like there's there's someone else who's like 64 over here. I don't think I don't know, I just think things come down to chemistry and attraction and 
I don't think it's good to like have this list of must haves and things like I want to be treated well. I want someone who um, is like kind to me, who's supportive, who asks questions, who is cu- naturally curious. I want someone who's dynamic. Um, but I, I think that when you start like putting all these like more superficial labels on there, it gets hard. I don't know. I, I feel like I would like to date somebody taller than me yeah. and not to say that I never have dated somebody the same height or shorter than me, but that's something that makes me feel more confident and attractive. Yeah. No, I, I hear and that. So I, I, that is a factor for me for better or for worse, not to say that I couldn't meet somebody out, have amazing chemistry and be like, doesn't matter at all. I need to feel like they're bigger than me. Like I don't, but I don't think that they need to be like six feet tall. Well, I think having like a cutoff is somewhat arbitrary, but I do think that there's certain things that like you are attracted to or not attracted to. Yes. And attraction is important. I would just say get out there and meet as many people in real life as you can, because you might find that this person is not checking these superficial boxes that you have in your head and that you do have amazing chemistry. You just like when you're on the apps, you get I think it's really easy to put people. I into totally boxes. agree. I totally agree that the apps make me way more superficial than I would be. Yeah. Offline. Yeah. But I do think that there are physical characteristics. Oh, that- Absolutely. As a general rule, you can be more or less attracted to. Yeah. Okay. Two last random questions. Grace, this one is to you. Would you ever date an influencer? Probably not a fashion influencer. Like, I, w- I wouldn't want to date someone who's like, I don't know, like prettier and better dressed than me. Um, I also don't know very many like straight male fashion influencers. Yeah, I was going to say it's on a huge pool. I mean, I've had like like crushes on influencers who – do other categories than than we than I do. Yeah. What about this is not necessarily about dating, but somebody asked, would you ever freeze your eggs just in case you changed your mind about wanting to have children? We got asked this a lot. And for me the the straightforward answer is like no, 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 no. That I also think that ship has probably sailed. Like I don't know what my eggs are like. I'm 38 years old. Like I don't think they're probably that great. But um I don't want kids enough to do that to my body like I really I don't have that drive like I'm not like oh I really think I might change my mind and want them like if I accidentally got pregnant that would be a different story but I do not want kids and I do not want to like give myself shots every day and like put my body through that it's really grueling I would say that if you're interested in that both Katie Storino and Danielle Prescott, both two previous guests of ours, have really interesting highlights saved on their Instagram stories about egg freezing. Because I know, like, Danielle really wants kids. Um, and she has an interesting perspective because she is single. She doesn't want to settle. And she um, that would be, like, a good person to talk to about this kind of thing. But no, I can't imagine putting my body through that. What about you? Um, I would say most likely not. In my head, the arbitrary cutoff is is 35 or 36 for making that decision. And I'm 33. So I feel like I still have some time if I wanted to change my mind, but probably not. I don't feel strongly about having children. And I also feel that if I changed my mind, I could very easily love a child that I adopted. Same. I would, I, I would be like more into the idea of adopting a child or fostering a child than um, having my own. Yeah. Like my, my friend who I was mentioning who has two children who are older, he adopted both of them, one of them when he was an infant and then one of them when she was two and a half. Yeah. And like having seen their family 
you know, I feel more than confident that like I would be happy adopting if I changed my mind yeah. later. I'm not so much like of the, like one of my guy friends was like, but I want my child to look like me. Like that's so important. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like if like I had a house and like not in New York and I decided that I really wanted a child, like that would be a different, a totally different story. And I'd be happy adopting if I couldn't have my own. Yeah. But I can't even imagine wanting one. I don't know. Let's get out of this dating combo. I I hope I would love to hear people's feedback. I'm I hope this was interesting or helpful. I hope so too. Yeah. It seemed to be a topic that there were so many questions on. So it was clearly something that people wanted us to talk about. Yeah. And I feel bad because I know we have a very different perspective than a lot of people in that we live in New York. We um pr- both probably don't want kids. So I think it's really different if you live in like a smaller town and you really want kids. I think it's probably a lot harder and I wish I could give better advice for someone who's dealing with that kind of a situation. Yeah, we'll have to think of a a guest maybe who can speak to that perspective. Of- yeah, yeah, definitely. So wait, what are you obsessed with? Okay, so I'm obsessed with, I'm late to this party. I finally watched Cheer on Netflix. Do I need to watch it? Yeah. Okay. It, it's like, it's something that I was kind of reluctant to watch because I didn't think it was something that I would care about. Yeah, I don't think I'll care about it. Cared a ton, cried multiple times. Oh my God, okay. It's I mean, it's just a story that you're set up to root for these people. Some of these kids have such tough past, so you're, like, really rooting for them to, like, overcome the odds. Mm -hmm. They're, like, going to this big competition, so you're rooting for them to win. It is so good. Oh, I love that. It's so good. Everyone's talking about it, and I I just, like, caved to the peer pressure, but I enjoyed it so much. I got way more into it than I expected to. Oh, that's great. It might be a good weekend plan. Okay. Just suggesting. Yeah. What about you? What are you obsessed with? Mine is the serum stick from Tatcha. It's this purple stick. I mean, the, the product itself isn't purple, but um, it's really nice for like midday touch-ups. My skin gets so dry and dehydrated this time of year. Now, what's a serum stick? It's a stick that has like all this good stuff like squalene and I forget what else is in it. There's a lot of like really good – I think there's some hyaluronic acid. So it's good for when you're like – it's great for the plane. I've been on the plane a bunch and it's great for like midday. I don't know if you're, you get this, my skin starts to feel a little bit tight and like, like, like dehydrated and like, um, just like tight, I guess is the way to to say it. So I'll put it on like the, like right where my crow's feet are, like on my forehead, Mm -hmm. my cheeks can get a little bit dry and you can use it like for like a little gloss, like a more of a slick. Like I, I massage it in so that it isn't shiny. But if you want that like shiny look, it's good for that too. Okay. I love it. All right. What about on Instagram? Okay. So I'm obsessed with – this is a carryover from TikTok – with Charlie D'Amelio, who's the most popular girl on TikTok. She's 15. I just started I following her. I am watching this as a voyeur. So I think it is fascinating that in the past six months, she has gotten – 23 million followers on TikTok. She has like 6 million followers on Instagram. I'm just fascinated. And I'm kind of just watching out of curiosity. Yeah. I just, I find it fascinating. And I also just can't even imagine what it would be like to be 15 and to have that large of a following. I can't imagine. Spoiler, we are talking to Taylor Lorenz next week, who is a reporter at the New York Times who covers influencer culture, and she talks a lot about TikTok. And so we talked – we already recorded it yesterday, but we 
talked a lot it's about a really good episode TikTok and about Charlie. But yeah, I'm like I'm just fascinated. What about you? Mine are just this is like low hanging fruit, but Erica Cerullo and Claire Mazer from our podcast episode last week yeah it makes me so excited that you're so amped on them them. well i was super into of a kind but i just didn't really like i don't know why i didn't really care about them as people and after that episode i'm like i love you be my best friend you're so cool so um i've been obsessed with them like i stalk their stories i stalk them completely they go to sky tang yeah they're both really good to follow erica um does this thing that i really like where on maybe sunday she like recaps everything she did that week Mm mm-hmm so it's like, it's kind of, I don't know, it's it's interesting. Yeah. What about books? Okay. So I paused on the two lives of Lydia Bird, and I'm not DNFing it. I'm oh, just, no. I'm I've paused. been so looking forward to that. It's a me problem. Okay. It is kind of like a combination of Sliding Doors and P.S. I Love You. And P.S. I Love You is the one movie that I just cannot watch. I sob from start to finish. And every time I pick up this book, I end up just crying my eyes out. And I think that it is going to get to a turning point where it's going to become less about her and her husband and she's going to get like a second act, second chance love story type thing. Mm -hmm. But oh my God, I just, it's brutal. I can't stop crying when I'm reading it. Oh my God, I don't want to watch that. So, but I think it's me because I I also feel this way about P.S. I love you. Okay. Anyway, so I paused that and then I felt like I was kind of in a reading rut because I was putting off reading this because I knew it was going to be so I was going to cry, but I didn't want to start something else. So finally on Sunday, I just started something else. So I read The Right Swipe by Alicia Rye. Was it good? Yes. I DNF to that. You did? Yeah, I was like bored by it and I felt like it was really like a lot of cliches. Oh, I liked it. So Interesting. it's about the... It's like a thinly veiled Whitney Wolf from Bumble. Mm-hmm. So like the f- female founder of a dating app. And she st- uh, starts seeing the spokesperson for a competing dating app who's like an ex-football player. And um, I thought that there was like more substance than just like a tawdry romance where there's a whole storyline about he's an ex-football player. So there's a whole one about like traumatic brain injury from concussions and there's like a whole storyline about consent that's woven in like i i, I really enjoyed part. it i um i read it all on sunday probably started at like five and i finished it by midnight so it was quick yeah i don't know what's wrong with me i just didn't like it and so many people have recommended it you don't have to like it i yeah. i thought it was like quick and easy and it like it was what i wanted yeah at the time so now i'm reading crescent city by sarah j moss so this is a She's coming out with a new series. She wrote The Throne of Glass and A Court of Thorns and Roses. Her new series comes out in March, and I wrangled myself an early copy because I thought that maybe we would do it for the podcast. It came, and I realized that it's 848 pages, and that's probably not something that we can pick for our podcast book club. Oh, my God. I would be so pissed if I was a listener and, I know. and we it's picked huge. an 848-page book. It's huge. So, hey, guys. Sorry. We're just going to read this 1,000-page book this I know. Month. So it like came in the mail, and I was like, oh, well, okay. Um, How far are you? 150 pages in. Okay. So Is it good? I got a copy, too. Okay. So it's – I don't know yet. It's starting to get good. The first hundred pages, I was like, I don't know about this. Yeah. So it's her, it's an adult series, not a young adult series. Okay. There's a lot of sex in her other books. So I was like, what does it mean that this one's an adult one? Ooh, I can't wait. I love a good sex scene. Um, I haven't gotten to any sex scenes yet, so I don't know yet. There's definitely more swearing, drug use. But the, the thing that I was finding hard to get into is like, 
It's fucking confusing. There's like 9 million characters from the get-go. Oh. So that- I was a little confused. It's also one of those stories, which I'm I'm more into it now. There's a lot of different species of supernatural things. So I was like, oh my God, there's like vampires oh. and angels and fairies and witches and like... You need to make like a flow chart. <laughs> I know. So I was like a little bit like, oh, I don't know. But then I, um, last night I read more of it and I'm now 150 pages in. I'm like... Okay, that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm going to like okay. see where it goes. So I'll keep you posted. You know how hard I fell into the hole of all of her other series. So I like I have faith in the process here. Such a hole. Okay. What about you? Um, so I finished Know My Name by Chanel Miller. It gutted me. It was so moving and so powerful. And she has such a great sense of humor. And she's so interesting and vibrant. But um, it was hard to read. Like, it was really hard to read. So if you guys aren't familiar, this is the book um, by the woman who was the victim in the Brock Turner sexual assault case at, I think, Stanford in California. And um, it just, like, it's going to change your whole view on how you see how victims are treated and sexual assault in general. I've heard it's fantastic from everyone I know who's read it. And I've also heard that she's an incredible writer. Yes. And her Instagram is great, too. I just started following her. She's an oh, artist. I didn't so, know that. Yeah, she's really talented at like, okay. everything she does. Um, the other thing I started reading, again, thinking that it might be a March book. So This is why we have to have this like longer lead time so we can really vet these books for you guys, is The Glass Hotel by um, – who wrote it? Emily St. John Mandel. Yeah. So she also wrote Station Eleven, which I haven't read. So everyone's DMing me being like, is it as good as Station Eleven? And I'm like, I don't know. I think it's really different than Station Eleven because Station Eleven is like a post-apocalyptic world and it's about like a traveling theater troupe after like the world is a wasteland. Oh, no. This is way different. So this is – I'm about only 50% through, but it leads with a woman like jumping off of a boat and disappearing and then, um, right, there's this whole Ponzi scheme element, too. And it goes back and forth through time, so it's, like, a little bit tricky to follow at times. Um, it's really well written. She's a very talented writer. But I am not sure where I stand on it. Like, I'm not going to put it down, but I'm also, like, where is this going? So I think I need more time before I can give you an opinion on it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But we only got one copy to share. Usually publishers will send us two copies. Yeah, they were out of copies. So I prioritized this so I could give it to Beck afterwards. Um, I Whenever – we are wanna- on email chains with publishers and we ask for two copies. I always think of that scene in The Devil Wears Prada where it's like, you want my twins to share? Yeah. Well, the twins don't share. We also like to read the same book at the same time to talk about I it and know. stuff. Um, but the other thing, all I want to read right now is You Are Not Alone, my book of the month book. Oh, yeah. And um, it, like literally, like it's burning. Like I, like, I, I don't want to rush through the Glass Hotel, but like, I want to be reading a thriller. Okay. I haven't read a thriller in a while. Well, if you are looking for a book to read, our February book club pick is awesome. It's Followers by Megan Angelo. It's so good. So good. So it's told in two timelines. So the first timeline is in a pretty realistic dystopian future where influencers all live in a gated community and are broadcasting their life 24-7, all of the Truman Show. Yeah. And then the second timeline is in the past in 2015 and it's these two up and coming struggling 20 somethings in New York who are trying to make it and they end up getting a reality show about their lives Mm -hmm. and you find out how they're intertwined it's 
really soapy and entertaining and readable, but I also think it is going to be such a good discussion because of the satirical take on influencer culture and privacy mm-hmm. and like media consumption. So I'm really excited. It's super fun. I think that the the episode is going to be a good one because there's so much to talk about. Totally. Uh, I also think it would be great if you're looking for something to read with your IRL book club. Yes. So we're going to be discussing that the last Wednesday of the month in two weeks. Mm -hmm. So pick it up. And if you would like more Bad on Paper, come talk to us in our Facebook group. Uh, Follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood. And my blog is thestripe.com. I post there six days a week. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.